Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Thursday. Is it Thursday? Does that sound right? <clears throat> Does that sound right, Paul? Yes, as my mama would say, Mm -hmm. yes, it's Thursday all day. All right, that's Paul Perot. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. It is Thursday, June the 22nd, 2023. I feel like it's uh, this year speeding along. Um, We're so glad that you're with us today. Thank you so very much. You could share the program with someone else. That would be awesome. We would love it if you would do that, be an ambassador of this ministry If it's a blessing to you, maybe use it as a blessing to extend to others. Your growing your faith verse of the day comes from 2 Timothy 3.16. This is one of those verses of Scripture that, um, you know, if you say to yourself, what does the Bible say about itself? This is uh, one of those places where the Bible talks about itself. And so this is one of those good memorized verses of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, there are probably some other um, translations or versions that would might be uh, easier to memorize because they sing a little more than this one. But um, <clears throat> I think that the point is captured in Scripture talking about itself and what it is and what it accomplishes. There is a work that Scripture accomplishes in and through us. And it's all Scripture, all the books of the Bible, every chapter, every verse, um, from the shortest one, Jesus wept, uh, to the longest one that if you read it in Greek would go on and on and on and on and on um, and wouldn't have any breaks in it for a, a very long time. So all Scripture, all the books of the Bible, every chapter, every verse— In Jesus' own words, every dot and tittle, every little stroke of the pen, all Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is useful to teach um, and to help us understand what is true. All Scripture is useful to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Uh, Another way of seeing that is to convict us of sin. Scripture corrects us when we're wrong, and Scripture teaches us to do what is right. It's then incumbent upon us to comply, to conform, to yield. It's up to us to read and respond in obedience, to not just be hearers of the word, but doers also, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God who helps us understand what the Bible says and then brings us into conformity with what God has revealed um, is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12.2 is a helpful companion to today's verse. Um, Romans 12.2 reminds us or encourages us, compels us, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? Well, that happens through the scriptures. Um, Then you will be able, Paul says, to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
So I uh, pray today that you and I would be like the believers in Thessalonica, of whom Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the words of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. And it performs its work in those who believe. So I encourage us uh, to receive the scriptures today. Every book, every chapter, every verse as what they really are, the very word of God, that we would meditate on them, memorize them, make music with them, remind one another of them, and, um, and finally, mind it. Like, have you thought about that? Have you thought about minding what God has said in the Bible? It's, the last one is the sticking point. Do you mind? Think about the way we use that turn of phrase. Oh, do you mind? I ask you of the scriptures today, do you mind? Do you mind the word of God? you find them bothersome or burdensome? John says in 1 John 5, verse 3, this is what it means to love God, to keep his commandments, to do what God has said. And God's commands, they're not burdensome. So friend, do you mind God's word? I mean, like, do you mind? I pray that uh, you and I would invite the Holy Spirit to change our minds today and help us mind the Word of God, not as something bothersome or burdensome, but as a gift that God gives us to help us know Him, His character, and His ways. It is um, one minute away, one minute away from 10 after the hour, and that means um, that the oxygen is literally about to run out on the Titan submersible. Ten after the hour right now. If anyone um, has remained alive on board after the disappearance of the submersible on Sunday, they have now taken or are now taking their final breath in this life. So let us pray today for the five men on board, for their families, for those who have been desperately searching since Sunday, for those who work for the company that will now be held responsible, and for God's grace that even now, that which is lost might be found. Let God find you today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Our friend Ben Johnson joins us now. He is the rights writer. He's a senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand. You can find what Ben is working on at WashingtonStand.com. Good morning, sweet friend. Good to be with you, Carmen. Uh, I, I just confess I've been counting my breaths um, over, that, uh, over that last break um, because I'm mindful that, you know, there are, if they were still alive, there, uh, you know, were five people who there was no oxygen left in the in the hall. And I just, so then I was counting my breath and I was thanking God for them. Yes. I, I, as you say, you, you realize how precious every single breath is. Uh, when you realize that they're numbered, we realize that uh, resources on this earth are finite, uh, that God created us to glorify him with every breath. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those who are on this submersible, we pray and and hope that before that um, that final breath comes, uh, that 
the forces will find them, that they will be rescued and brought back to safety. And if they are not, that they will find their eternal home in the ports of heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking that next breath in the fullness of the presence of the Lord. Amen. Um, are you a fake priest? Like, how would you prove to me that you're not a fake priest? Well, I'm not a real good one. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but uh, uh, I do my best. Uh, the way that you would you would show someone that you were a bona fide member of the clergy uh, is generally that you've been ordained or commissioned by some higher church authority, um, either that uh, you have a certificate from someone uh, or that you can you can have someone who will verify that yes, you do in fact work uh, in in the clergy at whatever church it is that you say that you work for. Okay, so I'm asking you this question, um, as you know, because you and I have both read this crazy story about a restaurant that now is going to have to pay its workers $140,000 after allegedly hiring a fake priest to extract from them um, confessions related to sins at work. Can, Can you read us in on this? I mean, this is a crazy story. This is one of the wildest things I've ever read, and one of the most disheartening. Um, hmm. What what the case uh, is dealing with, the U.S. Department of Labor brought a case against a, a restaurant in California, Taqueria Garibaldi, run by uh, Shea Garibaldi. Uh, two, two taco stands, apparently, restaurants. And uh, like a lot of restaurants, a lot of the people who work there uh, are illegal immigrants. Uh, they are here from Latin America, and many of them are Roman Catholic. They are very faithful. Uh, he had apparently noticed uh, some some crime that had been taking place. People had been stealing from the restaurant or the like. And so he brought in, he said, someone he said was a priest that they could confess and, quote, get the sins out. And so they confessed their sins to this man. Things like uh, you know, showing up late to work or, or lying to the boss or stealing from the restaurant. Turned out he's not a priest at all. Now, a real priest... Uh, if if he is a member of the Roman Catholic Church or or uh, my own background, Eastern Orthodox, and uh, there are certain Protestant churches that practice confession, even uh, Lutherans uh, practice confession. But anyone who has a, a tradition where they practice confession, every th- the the practice that uh, that I have, uh, it differs a bit from uh, the Roman Catholic Church. But I will take someone in front of an image of Christ. And I will tell them, I don't have power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus alone can forgive sins. You are confessing to him. And at the end, I tell them that I have witnessed their repentance, and I pray that Jesus will forgive them. And that that's the way that we do confession. But everything between those two prayers that they say is completely confidential. If I were to reveal that or disclose that in any way, I would be kicked out of the ministry for the rest of my life. There'd be a black mark. I would probably be excommunicated. But uh, I would never be able to serve in any capacity ever again. This man took advantage of that faith, that trust, that belief that what they said would be a confidential pastoral uh, conversation. They would receive counseling for their sins and uh, that they would receive forgiveness from our Lord Jesus Christ because they were repentant. And he is the source of all forgiveness because of what he did on the cross. He took advantage of that, twisted that for his own use and ended up... uh, either firing people or demanding that they pay things back to him. And as you say, finally, some justice was done to him. But this is the biggest, most uh, most egregious 
kind of violation at work because it's taking advantage of people's faith. This is something people in the Soviet Union and in Nazi Germany used to do and has no place in the United States. And I'm glad that he is coming down on the receiving end of a massive fine, uh, even from the Biden administration. Yeah, it made me think about the the rise, um, the positive rise, as I view it, in marketplace chaplains, um, you know, organizations and companies that are offering chaplaincy services within the context of work. And I, I wonder if this will have a chilling effect on some of that as well. So we want to be encouraging um, people of faith, uh, of all faiths, in terms of even the full expression of their faith in the context of their work environment. Um, and we want to be discouraging people from using uh, or weaponizing people's faith against them in those settings as well. So thanks, uh, thanks for visiting with me on that particular very strange story. When we come back from a very brief break, um, Ben is going to help us understand the decision of the Supreme Court not to hear the appeal of the College of the Ozarks. Um, What's at issue here is whether or not Christian colleges um, will have to comply with the transgender housing rule of the Biden administration. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up, they come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Ben Johnson is here. He serves uh, at the Washington Stand as a senior reporter and editor. You can read what he's writing at WashingtonStand.com. We're going to talk in a minute about what um, Ben has posted there in terms of Christian media like our own and in a piece called What I Owe Pat Robertson. But Ben, I'd love for you to um, brief us in on this decision by the Supreme Court to not hear the appeal of the College of the Ozarks. What's at issue? Yeah, College of the Ozarks, of course, a Christian university. Uh, there's a uh, at least one organization refers to it as a Bible Belt Ivy League school. It's very hard to get into. They do their best to help people do work study so that you have no debt when you come through it. It is extraordinarily selective, and uh, it is a faith-based school, so they try to live by that in everything they do. Unfortunately, the uh, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development has a directive, uh, as well as uh, this was enacted by the Obama-Biden administration in its waning days in 2016, that uh, any 
college must allow someone who identifies as a member of the opposite sex to stay in a college dorm room of the opposite sex. So you could send your daughter off to school at a Christian university, and they would say, congratulations, here's your new roommate, and she looks like me, you know, bald and a beard. Uh, that's that's the regulation. College of the Ozarks says, we believe in Bible-based uh, and faith-based policies in every aspect. We don't allow men and women to be in the same room together, and we believe in Genesis 1 when it comes to creation. Male and female created he them. This is a violation of our faith. We have nothing against people who identify as transgender, but we cannot break our faith as a result. Uh, a lower court ruled against them, sided with the Biden administration. The Supreme Court this week refused to hear the case, not because they don't think there's a good case here, but because they say that the college doesn't yet have standing because the uh, the Biden administration has not yet actually fined them uh, or, or taken any action against them for breaking this rule. So first you have to suffer before you can you can get uh, legal relief. First you have to suffer before you can get legal relief. This is a little bit um I just I find it quite troubling. I mean all the way around um and I think that we can see the writing on the wall in terms of what's going to happen this fall when um some student somewhere who is female and Christian arrives on a college campus and because of this rule um, by uh, uh, this housing rule um, is it's going to I mean she can't be required to live in that environment but that's what's going to be provided and that's going to create a very unwelcome beginning to uh, the academic year um, I'd love for you to talk with us through this piece that you have posted at WashingtonStand.com um, I owe my faith to Pat Robertson can you can you share with us um, a, a little bit about what um, the influence that not only Pat Robertson, but Christian media has had in your life? I would not be here, uh, needless to say, but I, I wouldn't be a Christian, most likely, if it were not for Christian media. Uh, I, was I was raised in a Christian home, and I had a, a faithful beginning, but uh, I became an atheist very early on, uh, really an agnostic. Um, I was raised in the uh, 1980s, and as much as people sort of idealize that as a, a simpler time and a, a more faithful time in some ways, uh, the media was uh, very, very monochromatic, and so whatever the media said and whatever the um, uh, whatever the entertainment industry did, uh, I sort of went along with. That was really what shaped me and formed my interviews about important issues and about whether there was uh, a God or not. I didn't. I came to believe that God was simply this force of control that other people used to control what you could do and uh, the actions you would take, the thoughts you would take, uh, how much money you would give them. Uh, so I, I came to reject and even hate the idea of God. Uh, it's hard for me to say. Uh, I, I hated the idea that God existed, let alone God himself. When my mom would take me to church, I would literally curse under my breath every time the name of Jesus was spoken. And if you are spiritually sensitive, you know where that's coming from. Uh, and And yet, all the while, this this was the 1980s, it was the Cold War, I was looking for accurate information in the media, and it was hard to come by because there there was no Fox News, there was no very little uh, in terms of um, conservative media other than a few magazines and uh, two or three TV shows, and that was it. And someone recommended the news on the 700 Club. And I turned it on. I enjoyed the news. It was coming from a non-communist, non-pro-communist perspective. Uh, and so I watched the news, and as soon as it was over, I would turn it off. 
And then they would occasionally have an interview with someone like Smokey Robinson or someone I thought was really cool. I would watch and I would watch until the interview was on and I do my best to tune out what I consider the Christian propaganda. And eventually, uh, from my Christian friends, I got a lot of apologetic material that answered my intellectual questions. And they have stories uh, on there about miracles and people whose lives are transformed and changed by the power of the gospel. And that changed my heart. And so in the middle of the night, when I was 14 years old, I got down by the television set on my knees at about 3.30 in the morning and invited Jesus Christ into my life, uh, along with Pat Robertson. I prayed the sinner's prayer, and um, I had a mystical experience I've never spoken about publicly, but it was, it was an experience I've never had before. It was the first time I ever cried tears of joy, and I, I felt the power and the presence of God in a palpable way. But... So much of that was Pat Robertson, as well as uh, Christian radio. Uh, my mother would listen to two shows in particular, um, the late Dr. Charles Stanley and the late Dr. D. James Kennedy. And they would answer my intellectual questions and they would minister to my heart. Even as a rebel, I understood that what they were saying was true, it was accurate, that they were intelligent and well-meaning people, and that they were counseling for wisdom. And all I was looking for was a, a source of information that wasn't coming from uh, the extreme left, uh, like the the three uh, the three networks at that time were very much slanted uh, in favor, frankly, of uh, of the communist revolutionaries in Central America. Had there been a Fox News, I might never have been a Christian. But luckily, someone pointed me to Christian media, and I want to encourage all of you now that we have millions upon millions of choices in when it comes to media all across the world point people to christian media because it has something beyond the facts beyond uh simply a recitation of what's going on in the world it goes the next step to tell us the source of that and the direction to which our lives should be uh directed it tells us the meaning the source and the center of all reality which is that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into the world, that he would live a sinless life, die on the cross, rise on the third day, and give life to all who believe in him. And only Christian media can bring that message. So please, listen to it with your loved ones, share it with your loved ones, and invite people to come to the medium that invites them to Jesus Christ. Ben, thank you. Thank you for sharing your um, personal testimony, um, not only here, but also with so many others at WashingtonStand.com. Thank you for appreciating what we do in Christian media, and obviously thank you for being a part of it uh, here on this program each week. We, we genuinely appreciate you, brother. Thank you. God bless you. Likewise. Likewise. All right, that's Ben Johnson. You can find what he's writing and his testimony about what he owes to Pat Robertson at Washington Stand. Dot com. Let's go upwards with Max Lucado. Do you trust him? Do you know Jesus and do you trust him? Uh, we talk a lot about the world that God has made. Um, we recognize the beauty and complexity of creation. We count the stars above. We feel the soil under our toes. We, If you're like me, um, I mean, my jaw drops every time one little new, um, in this case, corn uh, kernel sprouts forth, breaks forth from the soil and reveals itself. That's what's going on in our 
farm right now. We got some corn that's about knee high, but we've got other corn that was sown in places where the original corn didn't um, didn't germinate, and so now those those uh, the promise of corn right is is now these tiny little. Uh, plants revealing themselves. I, I'm awed by all of it. Uh, you know this about me. Um, and so uh, when I came across uh, Hannah Anderson's new book, The World God Made, um, which is uh, is a children's book, but man, it's just so good. Um, and it's it's based around Psalm 104, and it just revels. It just revels in the beauty and complexity of creation. And so Hannah's going to join us next. And I just want to encourage you to revel today in the beauty and complexity of God's good created order. Hannah Anderson up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, let me quickly tell you, if you uh, if you want to engage with us on our day of forgiveness and you want to walk with us in a season of forgiveness, text the word forgive to 877-933-2484 and we'll provide you with specific resources related to the forgiveness um, forgiveness journey and the day of forgiveness uh, in particular. Hannah Anderson is joining us now. Um, she is an author. She's a delight to my heart. Um, she lives in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, uh, and she um, loves creation like we do. And she's going to share with us today not only Psalm 104, but Psalm 104 as like recast to help children develop not only their sense of wonder and curiosity about the world around them, but a depth of appreciation and very, very practical ways to worship God. So Hannah Anderson, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. It's good, good morning. to be with you. It's wonderful to have you. What a, um, what a delightful book. So thank you so much for it. Um, it's written for kids. You're trying to help kids develop a sense of wonder and curiosity. Um, maybe let's just start there. Like, why um, why kids? Like, tell us the story behind this project. Right. So um, anybody who has read anything I've written in the last few years knows that my writing has kind of taken this t- turn toward creation and nature. And it's really been organic. God's really brought that forward. And I, I was wondering how to continue that conversation like who needs to be brought into this space of wonder and attunement to um to nature and i realized that in my own life this was something i learned very young i was uh raised within nature so i grew up on a on a homestead and being outside and kind of engaging with gardening or with animal life or with the woods was such a natural part of my childhood that I almost didn't realize that wasn't the case for everyone. So as I grew older, I began to appreciate that more. And I thought, okay, here's an opportunity to maybe invite children into something that had become so valuable to me as an adult. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something I've done with my own kids, kind of showing them and experiencing the wonder of the world together. Um, but when the opportunity came up with a publisher, I jumped at it. Um, I was approached about the possibility of writing a children's book. And I said, OK, but I have an idea and this is the only one I'm going to write. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in the sense that this is the one that I have to write now. So if you, if yeah. you don't like this idea, th- this is the one. 
Um, and it was a retelling, as you mentioned, of Psalm 104, which is a, a psalm that just goes through all the detailed layers of the created world and how they they display God's goodness and glory and power and how we're being invited into that world. I wonder if there are particular verses of Psalm 104 that captured your imagination, um, because obviously you can't unpack the entirety of the psalm um, in a children's book, but there are there are obviously some images that are like more sticky than others. They lead us to wonder and, and into conversations with children um, in really mm-hmm. profound ways. So wondering if there are a few images from the psalm that you could lift up that make an appearance in the book. Yes, that's the one thing about this psalm that I think caught my attention is it's very detailed about the specifics of nature. So it's it references specific animals. It references um, the fact that God feeds the animals. It talks about the sky and um, it's this vast expanse over us. And so I think for me, the reason this was such an opportunity for imagination and why it lent itself so well to a children's book was because it was deeply detailed. So you have references to uh, birds and storks. And so that we kind of um, built around that image. Some of the pictures of the book we built around that. There's references to lions and there's references to um, even mankind's cultivation of the earth, that our ability to to bring forth food from the earth is mirroring God's feeding us and, and the wild animals. So I think you're absolutely right that this psalm almost evokes wonder and imagination because it gives us these pictures that maybe in other Psalms are more vague. Um, You know, folks are familiar with Psalm 19. You have that opening call of the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, when you get to Psalm 104, it's very explicit about how that's happening. And so I think for children, one of the things we've heard about the book is that they love the details of it. Mm -hmm. They love seeing the animals. They love the kind of concreteness of this particular animal exists in the world God made. And God has a loving creator relationship with it that he's feeding it and caring for it. And I think for children, that specificity is really important. If you haven't read Psalm 104 um, recently, um, here's uh, here's just a little section um, beginning at verse 19. He made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises, and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. And then people go out to work, to their labor until evening." the specificity of the psalm, then um, you translate into not only, you know, beautiful words, but um, obviously evocative illustrations as well. Um, when we think about curiosity and we think about wonder, I'm, I'm thinking, Hannah, that there's an opportunity here, not just for children, but for the children of God, for adults to recapture maybe our curiosity and wonder about God's creation. Absolutely. And that's my kind of hidden secret in this book is when I wrote the text. We call those Easter eggs. We we just call those Easter eggs. I actually envisioned what what kind of experience could I give children and the adults who love them 
together. So when I was writing, my, my vision was not for a child alone sitting with this book. It was for a grandma or grandpa or an aunt or an uncle or a mom or dad or a friend sitting with the child and reading it together. And I wanted it to work on one level for children to invite them into uh, the world. But I also wanted it to work at a deeper level with adults. And so one of the kind of the, the structures that I used is to present this beautiful invitation into a very specific space in God's world, but then to say, but how can I move into that? It's scary. Maybe, maybe there's things that I don't quite understand about it. And then the resolution is that God is with us in the world, that, that God is inhabiting the world that he made. So we can move into it because he's there. And he's going to care for us and protect us. And, you know, anyone who has lived any length of time, you know how walking through life can damage your sense of wonder. We become, as adults, it's very easy to become deeply rational, pessimistic, a little cynical, because we've just suffered. And what I'd hope to do is to kind of offer to adults, you can come back to that childlike place. You can let go of some of that anxiety because God is here and he can be, keep you safe as you, as an adult, go through the world that he made. We're talking with Hannah Anderson. We're talking about her beautiful children's book, The World God Made. We do have copies to give away, those of you asking on the text line. So just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of The World God Made we have to give away today. Um, Hannah, I'm, I'm noting that the, um, <clears throat> the illustrator shares your last name, and I'm wondering if there is a relationship beyond you being the author and Neil being the illustrator. Yes. So my husband um, Uh actually collaborated with me on the illustrations. And for both of us, he grew up in a very similar context in terms of relating to the earth, grew up in a very similar way. And so it was a very natural manifestation of our childhoods um, Mm. to he's he's gifted with visual art. I am gifted, I I hope (laughs) I tend toward words. But what we shared, and one of the things I think that has been a through line for us, is that in our childhoods, nature and creation was a place of wonder and beauty. And so for us, this was a way to kind of return to that place and um, bring forward our love and share it with other people. So the words are by Hannah Anderson. The pictures are by Nathan Anderson. It's absolutely beautiful. Here are the words from, um, from the opening page. In the world God made, the sky is like a great big tent, so bright and blue and radiant. It's stretched above the mountains high and filled with birds and things that fly. Uh, it is, um, it's lyrical. It sings off the page. And then it is complemented by these beautiful um, watercolors and um, and I love um, I love both the detail and the um, I mean the detail which comes obviously with Nathan's um, exact uh, strokes of the of the dark pen but then just how um, almost ethereal 
the watercolor is because it literally stretches to to every um not just inch of the page but every part like it 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 takes me from page to page i don't know if that makes any sense Mm. but i'm um i'm drawn to turn the page because the artwork bleeds from one page into another and i i just i just love that so we're going to continue our conversation with hannah anderson here in just a moment you can connect with her online at her website, sometimesalight.com. Um, the book is The World God Made, and we are giving away copies today. So to enter the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. More with Hannah in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Hannah and Nathan Anderson um, have collaborated as husband and wife, author and illustrator of The World God Made. It is a children's book. It is, I think, just a beautiful expression of Psalm 104. So I commend to you Psalm 104 today in terms of where in the Word you might find yourself before you get out there into the world that God so loves. Um, Hannah, when we talk about um, writing for children uh, and we talk about writing about complex topics um, for children— Creation is not simple. I mean, it is complex. How do you how do you feel um, like that is expressed in in this particular book? Because I think it is. I, I don't think this is a simple mm-hmm. conversation. I do think it's complex, but it's um, but it's delivered at a level that children can uh, apprehend. Well, I think you're absolutely right about the levels. So that's a really important word in terms of even our understanding of the gospel or the truth of who God is. There is this level at which anyone can access the truth of God's love for us and the truth of God as creator. And as we grow and develop, we kind of access it in a different way or at a different um, level of complexity. So for a child, there is absolutely no barrier to go outside and engage with God and stomp in the mud puddle Mm -hmm. (laughs) or collect bugs and put them in um, their little bug container. I was with my niece and nephew this last weekend and my niece loves bugs. And so she just had collected all these bugs and was showing them to me. That same child, as he or she develops, can grow in their love and their intensity and their knowledge of the world and eventually grow up maybe to to be a scientist who studies bugs. So that kind of leveling up of complexity isn't really about um, the creation or God's work in the world. It's about our ability to engage in it. So one of the things within this book that I wanted to do was to make sure that there were multiple access points of engagement regardless of where you were whether you were a child, whether you were a teenager, whether you were adult, 
Um, and so one of the vehicles that allows for that kind of complexity is poetry. Now, I did not necessarily set out to to write a lyrical or poetic structure. But when I was working with the psalm, one of the, the beauties of the psalms is that it's poetic. And what poetry does is it condenses truth and then it invites the reader to unzip it, to to unpack it. And so the unpacking is happening inside of us. The, the reading of a poem or a book like this allows us to go into it to the depth that we can. And it doesn't restrict access maybe the way that um, real intense or heavy prose might. So the, the, the poetic form is wonderful for families. Um, because it, it allows points of access, just like creation itself is operating on multiple levels. You can stomp in the puddles and receive joy and see God's goodness. And you can also study the rain cycle or study the, the thing that made the puddles and see God's goodness. There is no limit within creation to the wonder and joy that we can receive in knowing God as creator there. I know that in Psalm 104, um, you know, we encounter animals of prey, we encounter life and death, mm -hmm. uh, darkness and light. We, we encounter monsters, Leviathan. Um, do you shy away uh, or do we right. embrace those conversations with kids? Right. So I'll, I'll tell you one of the lines in Psalm 104 that gave me the greatest pause is near the end where I don't have it in front of me, but it says something to the effect that the, the wicked will be banished from the earth or sinners will no longer be in the earth. And it's at the end. It's just tucked on. You have this beautiful poem extolling creation, and then you have this darkness, right? And I thought, oh, how am I going to render that for children? And what I think is true, and we all know about the world, is as grand and glorious as it is, there is this darkness to it. There is this danger to it. And, you know, for those of us who um, understand that danger of the curse, you know, as, as God, um, you know, as this weight of sin that the earth is groaning under, that darkness has to be named. It has to be addressed and reconciled. And so for me, as I wrestled with that text, that part of Psalm 104, I realized that actually what the psalmist was calling for was not destruction, but maybe purification. That what, what the psalmist was longing for is that what God would take and care for the world he made and redeem it and remove the wickedness, remove the sinfulness that was causing it to be weighed down and cursed. And so I wanted to take that idea of redemption and God's active presence in the world and marry it with that kind of danger. And so in the poem that I, they write, each stanza, each, each couple pages basically follows the same structure where there's this invitation into the world. Oh, but wait a minute, there's a problem. What happens when the sky that's so blue and beautiful gets cloudy? What happens when the storms come? How am I going to engage with that? Well, you're going to be able to engage with it because God is present and he's going to send the sun to come again. And the sun is going to come again. And his presence is what uh, promises that and confirms that. And then the rainbow is going to come. 
So that kind of interplay of saying, come into this beautiful world, but wait a minute, there's a problem. There's a challenge because this world can be very dangerous. It can be very risky. So how are we going to engage the fact that the world isn't exactly what it should be? Well, the way we're going to engage it is to know that God is present and he is actively purifying and redeeming this world through his son. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration, that cycle that we know from scripture is in evidence, um, not only in Psalm 104, but in uh, in this beautiful book that you have written as well. Uh, and so it's, a, it's got profound levels of teaching um, you can read it on the surface and it's beautiful, but you can go deeper and deeper and deeper as your child is prepared to do so um, as well. So Hannah, thank you so much. The book is The World God Made. We are giving away copies today. If you'd like to enter that drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Hannah, I hope you will um, share our gratitude for the beauty of the book with Nathan as well. I will, Absolutely. And thank you so much for joining us today. We've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Get yourself into Psalm 104 today. That's a good place to be in the Word of God. Uh, And if you'd like to enter the drawing for the copies of The World God Made, we have to give away. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's just read Psalm 104 as our walk-off for this hour. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths and with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. And at the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains and went down into the valleys to the place that you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The trees of the Lord are well watered. The cedars of Lebanon be well planted." There the birds make their nest. The stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the hyrax. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away and return to lie down in their dens. The people go out to work and labor until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all, the earth full of your creatures. Uh, There the ships go to and fro, Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. I mean, on and on and on it goes. Um, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as he lives. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next.
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.